Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911. It's the end of the week show Friday. Tobias yes. and, and Sarah. Sarah and Prisca and and Aquila. And Aquila. Jess and Nina. <laughs> forget. Yeah, Jess and Nina. That's who we really are. Two sinners uh, that love the Lord Jesus Christ in the sacrament of marriage. We are we are the Latin lovers, plural, of our, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the Latin lovers of, of our, our Lady, lady our Blessed Mother. As a couple, we yes. love both of them. With all them. of our hearts. Absolutely. We can't live without them every day. They walk with us because why? We call on them. They're just waiting there for us to reach out to them. Yes. But you know, anyways, we have an exciting uh, show today. Yep. Uh, first of all, it's, uh, what are we, in the third week of Advent? Beautiful Advent. We're, the anticipation, Maranatha, waiting for the... Uh, come, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. come the coming of our Lord. Absolutely. So you know, the month here. of December for mm -hmm. Catholics, there's a whole lot. Mm -hmm. uh, again, the month of De December, it's the month where we as Catholics, we focus on the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Obviously, it, it culminates with the birth. We call that Christmas Day. We call that, uh, it's a time of celebration. Mm -hmm. This month also, we celebrated the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. We also uh, celebrated the four apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yep. So uh, there's and, and we're in the season of Advent right now. Yeah. So there's just so much going yeah. on right now in the church. The, it's just a celeb celebratory time in the Catholic Church, and 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 if you are following the the liturgical seasons, this is I think this is one of the most beautiful seasons, only because there's just a, the anticipation to the for the birth of Christ and Christmas. You know something interesting about the feast days in December, is that Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mm -hmm. The four days that we celebrated here, yes. the, the Marian apparitions. She's also the patroness of the Americas, mm -hmm. per John Paul II. And uh, turn that phone off. None of your business. <laughs> She's also the patroness of the You're Diocese God, of Phoenix, by the here. way. <laughs> She's also the patroness of the Diocese of Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, she is. Yes. Mm -hmm. but, but, and, and she's also the patroness of the pro-life movement mm -hmm. because she stopped the killing once upon a time in, back in the 16th century. And uh, when she appeared to Juan Diego, she told Juan Diego uh, to Juan, am I not your mother? In other words, a rhetorical question. I'm your mom. Don't worry about it. I'll mm -hmm. take care of this. Also, something else about the Feast of the Immaculate Conception this month is that the United States, uh, the cathedral in downtown of the United States in Washington is called the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception. Section. Yeah, I believe that's... So, uh, it's, uh, so again, these two titles... Uh, the Immaculate Conception has, mm -hmm. it, it has, it's significant here in the U.S. because again, that's, that's the, that's the name of the cathedral in downtown Washington. Mm -hmm. And then Our Lady Guadalupe, again, that's the uh, patroness of the Americas at large, but also the patroness of uh, the Diocese of Phoenix. Yep. And, uh, you know, these, um, Feast days just remind us that we need to pray our rosary every day and ask for the intercession of Our Lady and uh, and really regard these feast day days as, you know, a gift to us from, 
from the church. Yeah. And just to remind us, because you know what? We are we are for forgetful children. And if the church doesn't remind us every year that these holidays and these feast days, um, we, we that's how we stray away from God. Because it keeps on, you know, we, we stray away and these feast days just, you know, bring us back. That's it's like right. a magnet. Yes. So, yeah. Also, the just our, our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, for those that don't know, she's uh, the patroness, the, the patroness of the United States of America. Yes. Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, pray for us. Pray for us. Our yes, we need a lot of prayer. Pray, pray for, for us. us. We need a lot of prayers right now, especially what's going on in the world. Yes. So let's start with our show. Well, uh, again, we've talked about the New World Order. Yes. This is something that is not some conspiracy theory. The New World Order, we're seeing it play out right now. So this is whole mm-hmm. Great Reset. It's this push towards communism. Move God out. Yeah. Get a, get Christianity and Western civilization out and move co- godless communism in. And who's that? Who play, replaces God? Man. Man. And I'll tell you, we God. see this because in the, Masonic the, the, order. Masonic the Freemasons, mm-hmm. who are basically leading the charge for this New World Order, there's an article here called The Georgia Guidestones, 10 Masonic Commandments for the New World Order. Okay? Mm-hmm. So they've got their own 10 commandments, and this is what they want to do to the country now. They want to change the country into a God-centered country and not a, I mean, a man-centered country and not a God-centered country. And did you notice this? They elevated these Guidestones in Georgia and what do they do to the Ten Commandments in the schools, in the courthouses? What did they do? They minimized them. Or right. Remove them uh, entirely. Well, See? Yeah, we'll be talking about those yes. Guidestones of the Terry and Jesse show. But yeah. now well, mm-hmm. I want to talk about a, a, another thing that the New, World, the New World Order globalists are doing. Yes. And they're dog whistling all their friends. Hey, we're in control here. Yeah. The United Nations. Mm-hmm. Did you know? That there's a demonic-looking statue erected outside the United Nations, which draws comparison to the beast in the book of Revelation. Now, the creature... And you know where the United Nations... For those that don't know, the United Nations is a headquarters in New York City. So, that's our dime. On our dime! Yes. So, this... uh, Frustrating. This creature that they have in the UN... They say it's a guardian for international peace and security, according to the United Nations spokesman. It looks like a monster from the Book of Revelation. Yeah, it's like a tiger uh, with wings, and he's baring his jaw, and his, you can see his teeth. He's ready to pounce and yeah. attack. There's, no, there's That's nothing a, peaceful about this. No, there's this. nothing peaceful. And you know what? I think they're trying to mimic the four gospel writers, because our four gospel writers are represented as a lion, Mark is represented as a lion. Matthew is represented as an angel. Uh, Luke is represented as an ox. And John is represented as an eagle. You see all of that in here. They are very peaceful. I think what they're trying to do is mimic... And 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 mo- it's a mockery. mockery yeah. It's a mockery. That's, that's, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and it's not not mimic. Yeah, a mockery, mockery. of right. of uh, the four gospel writers. Mm-hmm, the four and gospel writers. They made a writers. monster. Yeah, and they made a monster. Yeah. So the statue outside the UN headquarters in New York City has drawn comparisons to the beast of Revelation described in the, in the New Testament. According to United Nations Twitter account, the statue is, quote, 
a fusion of Jaguar and Eagle. Oh, a Jaguar. Yeah. I was close. (laughs) It's a guardian for international peace and security. Yeah, right. It was donated by the government to the Mexican state of Oaxaca. It's it's spelled Oaxaca. Oaxaca. Of Oaxaca. And it was created by artists Jacobo and Maria Angeles. Now, here's my comment. I have no doubt that these two Mexican artists are occultists. Mm -hmm. No practicing Catholic would ever make a statue like this and promote it internationally. The statue of this beast is a demon. It's not a guardian. And this false god is going to be a magnet Mm -hmm. for demons to continue their division. That's what it is. Destruction, Mm -hmm. disorientation, and deception throughout the world. Yes. According to my radio partner, Dr. Dan Schneider, he he tells me that the artist... Uh, this uh, Jacobo and Maria Angeles yeah. are from Oaxaca, a place known for its witchcraft in Mexico. Well, there you go. There's your answer. Yeah. Uh, the commentators on the social uh, media have suggested that the statue resembles the Beast of Re- Revelation, a creature described in the last book of the Bible. Uh, you can find that in chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. It says, And the beast which I saw was like to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as a mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his own strength and great power. The book of Revelation, also known as Apocalypse, speaks about what will come to pass at the end of the world. Artists have depicted the beast in different uh, ways over time, often with wings like the UN statue. The statue is done in um, Alavrije. Alavrije style a type of art pioneered by Mexican artist Pedro Linares when he was 30 years old in 1936, allegedly after he suffered high fever and unconsciousness caused by peritonitis. Well, what what is abebrije? That's paper mache. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up on Wikipedia. Art. It says yeah. alebrije are brightly covered, colored Mexican folk art, yeah. three-dimensional sculptures of fantastical creatures made with different types of paper and strips of paper and paste. Yeah, but you know, this this uh, demon that they erected there in front of the UN is not a made paper. of paper I'm sure, mache. I'm sure it's metal. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm it's sure metal. it is metal. Yeah. Uh, something that could have that's hard to destroy. Yep. Let, so, let's see the 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 iconoclast of our era in, within the last year go and destroy that. Exactly. That'd right. Be good, you yeah. know. Let's see if they destroy yeah, that. These, let's see what happens then. Yeah. These, these, right? sta- these statue haters. Yeah. These, these statue haters. Statue haters. Right. Yeah. So be, the, the, the statue. Be consistent. <laughs> exactly. The statue's done, Alevreje style, mm-hmm. a type of art pioneered by Mexican artist Pedro Linares when he was thirty years old. In 1936, allegedly after he had suffered high fever and unconsciousness, during his life, Linares described the hallucinations he experienced when he had fallen ill. He described seeing a donkey with butterfly wings, a rooster with bull horns, and a lion with an eagle head. And the creatures were shouting, Alevrejis, Alevrejis, Alevrejis. Well, wow. it sounds to me like this artist, uh, Pedro Linares, was diabolically afflicted at some point. Mm-hmm. Remember... Just one mortal sin could invite demonic possession. We'll continue yep. with this article yes. on the next segment. Absolutely. Listen. Here comes Our Lady who gives us a, a holy pause. Ora por nobis.
Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas. Ora por nobis. Yes, yes, we are back. Jesus 911, Jesse and Anita. Yeah, yeah it's uh, great to did be Did you hear here. about the demonic statue made by Mexican artists mm -hmm. that's been given over as a, a gift to the United Nations? Mm, Again, it came from two Doubt. artists from Oaxaca. Oaxaca is known for high level witchcraft, so this doesn't surprise me. It sounds to me like. This artist, Pedro Linares, who was, uh, he says he was having uh, hallucinations and unconsciousness. It sounds mm -hmm. to me like he was diabolically afflicted at some point when you read the article. Yeah. And remember, just one mortal sin could invite demonic possession. Just one. God doesn't just allow one. it in most times because he's just, God is just so amazing. Mm -hmm. But yeah. one. He's merciful. One mortal sin <laughs> is enough for you to become demonically yep. possessed. Mm -hmm. So for somebody to have these type of demonic dreams. And then make a statue of this beast demonstrates that Linares is, again, two teams, part of the sons of Satan, 1 John 3.10. Mm -hmm. Remember, the yep. Bible says there are only two teams on planet Earth. Yep. And it sounds like these people are on the team of Satan. Yep. 1 John yep. 3.10. Right. So uh, the article continues with, uh, with Linares. Uh, his work caught the attention of artist Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo, who were part of the Mexican Communist Party. There it is. There you go. R Rivera was an avowed atheist who said, quote, I am an atheist and I consider religions to be a form of collective neurosis, end quote. So we're, he's saying that we're all neurotic. You know, we're all crazy. I, 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 okay, thank you. You believe in That's Jesus, you're crazy. That's what he said. I want to be a, a neurotic for Jesus. If I'm going to be have a neurosis, it's going to be for Jesus. Yes. Well, that's I'm what St. Paul says. I, yes. He says, I'm a fool for a Christ. A fool for Christ. I'm going to be that. He says yeah, that to amen. the Hey, baby. Amen. We're fools we're fool for, for Christ. Christ. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so uh, it continues. Well, Rivera and Carlo were married, but... The yeah. latter. Yeah, these two communists yeah, got they were, married. Got married, had numerous sexual marital affairs with both men and women, and was known for dressing in male clothing. So Kahalo was the one that was having the, well, apparently both of them, extramarital affairs with both men. She was bisexual, and she was known to dress in male clothing. Yeah, so, so these Mexican yeah. artists that created the statue of this beast that's now in the, in the UN. They were communist. Yeah, they from they're from Oaxaca, Mexico, mm -hmm. which is known for high level witchcraft. They're mm -hmm. both bisexual. What does that mean? First John three ten. Yeah, <clears throat> sons of Satan. Satan. Just only yeah. two teams out there. Yep. only two teams. While some view Alevriches again this paper mache making monsters as a simple representation of Mexican folk art tradition. Others believe, like ourselves, yeah. that they transmit pagan and occult symbolism. Mm -hmm. These guys knew what they were doing. Yeah, they did. Without they a did. doubt, this statue yeah. of this beast is a dog whistle to all the Satanists, Luciferians, and occultists throughout the world that we are bedfellows with those yeah. in the United Nations. Yeah. And before Mexico was a Catholic country, some of the pre-Christian societies in the nation practiced forms of paganism. 
that involved significant human sacrifice. Remember the Aztecs? I don't know if you saw the movie Apocalypto. That's all you got to do. Yeah, watch just that watch movie. that, and you're going to find out what pre-Christian era was in Mexico. Okay, and as Christianity was waned in the public practice, has, of, has you know, Christianity has waned in uh, in public practice in Mexico. Alebrejes have become uh, uh, ubiquitous. Uh, ubiquitous in the pop popular culture, dominating the artistic landscape associated with the Dia de los Muertos, a national festival that honors the dead. Yep, Dia de los Muertos mm -hmm. is a perfect example that Catholicism isn't is it advancing? Mm -hmm. It's receding right. in Mexico. Yeah, it is. And that Aztec paganism is on the rise mm -hmm. because Dia de los Muertos comes from Aztec pagan practice. Yep. And and, and then what do we call that? We call that when they syncretism. Syncretism. Trying syncretism. to mix Christianity with <laughs> right. pagan and that, practices. We see that's, that a lot. That's We're the sin that of syncretism. Yes. And this isn't dangerous. For mm -hmm. us here in the U.S., because why our neighbor Mexico to the south of us mm -hmm. uh, is steeped in is steeped in paganism once again. Mm -hmm. Christians are divided on whether they should participate in the festival, with some focusing on traditional customs of praying for souls in purgatory during the month of November, which is the proper thing to do. Yep. While others worry that the holiday has been co-opted by the occult. That's my position. Mm -hmm. I think it has been co-opted. I, I think so, too. Yes. November has been co-opted by the occultists in Mexico in large part. And this happens because of the Mexican bishops' silence mm -hmm. or their malformation. And because of the Masonic government in Mexico, which would like to see nothing better than the, the destruction and the eradication of the Catholic Church. Yeah. And, there, you know, there's in 2017, there was a Disney film. I know all of you remember this, called Coco, uh, which played on themes associated with the Dia de los Muertos and drew criticism for what critics believe were blurred lines, syncretism, again, that's what we call the blurred lines, between Christian and pagan occult themes. The film used a la breje motif to depict creatures in the film. One of the creatures had a striking resemblance to the UN statue. Yes. If, and the picture's see, right there I, in the article. All of you, look at that the movie, Coco. You're going to see. I saw it, and I said, oh, 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 not Paganism, good. once Paganism. again. Mm -hmm. Creeping yes, in. Yeah. Creeping into the Mexican culture. Aztec paganism oh, coming back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think why all this is happening, in part, there's a... There's a famous mm -hmm. case of demonic possession in Mexico. Oh yes, that my friend Father Juan Rivas has been helping with for many years. Great priest. He yeah. started our uh, Guadalupe Radio in Los Angeles and from the ground today. up, and it's still there today because yeah. of him. Yeah, no, he was a no, good no, Jesuit. No, no, uh, no, <laughs> no, legionnaire, legionnaire. Yeah. Sorry, legionnaire. Yeah. No help to the diocese of Los Angeles. He no, did it by himself. He did it by himself with yeah. a few people. Yep. So this young man uh, in Mexico that's, that's a high-level possession case that most people know about in Mexico that are priests and bishops, mm -hmm. this young man during sessions, the demons have revealed to various exorcists during sessions that the legalization of abortion in Mexico City has invited the Aztec demon gods back to Mexico. I believe it. I where believe they it. continue to uh, wreak havoc, yes. division, death, mm -hmm. idolatry, and violence. Uh, all wow. I could say is Our Lady of Guadalupe. Pray for Mexico and pray for us. Absolutely. You're listening to Jesus 911. Let's move on now yeah. to our to our high-level spiritual right. warfare intel. Right. We're continuing on our questions and answers with uh, from the book, uh, 
church militant, exorcism and per, a church militant by Father Thomas Eitenauer. Yes. Thank you, Father, for uh, what a great uh, work writing this book. For the oh, body yeah. Of Christ. That's why we're continuing. It's just a, just a great question and answer. It's so format. rich, rich, mm-hmm. rich, absolutely rich. So the question is, how many exorcists are there? Now, the, the book was written like 11, 12 years ago. Yeah, I think in 2010, I So believe. it's a little outdated in terms of the, uh, the uh, this, statistics. This question, yeah, might be. On that question. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we did research a little bit. And, so what's the answer? Okay, so the answer is how many, uh, the, the question, how many extras are there? Well, here's in, the answer. In the U.S. Or in the U.S. US. We're talking about the U.S. Father Jeffrey Grob of the Archdiocese of the Chicago. Who's now he, Bishop Grob. now Bishop Grob, who wrote his doctoral dissertation at on the history of the exorcism right addresses this question he says with some sadness it is staggering to realize that there are no more than 17 officially appointed exorcists working in the united states but jesse and i we we looked it up and uh, we got a source from the atlantic.com magazine and they quoted father gary thomas and this was in 2018 this is when this uh, article so this was Father uh, Eitner wrote the book in 2010, so we got eight years, okay? Eight years of growth in spiritual warfare, so that's what we're talking about here. So Father Gary Thomas, he he told him, the writer of the article, of, of The Atlantic, his name is Mark Mariani, said that in 2011, 2011, the U.S. had fewer than 15 known Catholic exorcists. This is Father Gary Thomas. Today, he said, there are well over 100. And he also said, uh, Mike Mariani said, other exorcists I spoke with put the number between 70 and 100. So so I'm sure that's... It's growing. Yeah, it's growing. And I think it's going to continue to grow because Satanism is on the rise. And we've told you that before. And we're going to continue telling you that because we want you to continue being aware, aware of it, especially you listeners that are new to our show we want you to know this, and uh, we're going to continue repeating it because people need to be aware and be vigilant with their prayer life and become holy yourself to to spread uh, and evangelize those out there. Yeah, that's right. And mm-hmm. there's two schools of exorcism here in the U.S., mm-hmm. Mundelein Seminary in Chicago and then uh, the DeLorean Fathers over in Denver, Colorado. So those mm-hmm. are the two places yep. where priests go to get mm-hmm. trained. Yep. And, and so uh, the good news is that the number keeps growing every single year because new people uh, keep going to either Mundelein Seminary or the DeLorean Fathers to mm-hmm. learn the, to learn this ministry, which only a priest could could exercise in its fullness with the permission of the of the bishop. Yeah. So. So, uh, yeah, I think I think that's enough yeah. on that. Yeah. Why okay. aren't there more exorcists? Yeah. Why aren't there more exorcists? Well, let's find out. Yeah. What is what is Father answer? He says, although the trend is changing, it is re- regrettable that more priests and bishops do not receive training in this important ministry of healing, which the Lord entrusted to His disciples. There are various reasons for this. First, he gives eight. Yeah, he gives eight. So let's Very you good. start with the first one. And the I'll first the one he says is. The reason there's not a, more exorcists is because of lack, lack of, of faith. faith. Some wow. clerics simply do not believe that the devil exists and feel no need to fight him. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by clerics, also bishops. Yep. If the yep. bishop doesn't believe in the devil, yeah, they don't believe in the why devil. is he going to send any priests right. to Mundelein or to D- the Doloran Fathers? Mm-hmm. So right. again, it's just mo- this is just a sin of modernism yep. where a lot of where people... Where he's infiltrated. We, yeah, people mm-hmm. will read the gospel and they'll say, 
Well, I know it says demonic possession, but that's really an epileptic seizure. That's really, they really had yep. a grand mal seizure. That's what that is. Yep. That, yep. So what's the second reason? The second reason, uh, Father says, lack of pastoral concern or involvement. And he says, some priests and bishops do not understand the nature of spiritual afflictions and do not see the need to minister to spiritually afflicted individuals. Wow. The, the third reason why there, there aren't more exorcists is the lack of moral courage. <laughs> yes, we've seen that. There are good priests oh, and bishops yes. whose theological understanding of evil is accurate, but who lack the courage that it takes to confront demons. Also, some are afraid of making mistakes, adverse publicity, or lawsuits, and so they never enter into the field of battle. I'll give you an example. I'm going to say it respectfully about lack of moral courage, mm -hmm. with all due respect. Watch the, the documentary, uh, The Devil and Father Gabriel mm -hmm. Amorth. And Bishop Barron is interviewed in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, that's a teaser. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what it says on the yeah, next so, segment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so stay with us for the next segment while our Holy Mother Mary gives us a pause. A holy pause at that. The grace and the bright new dawn. Yes, you are. Pray for This holy season of Advent, do a pilgrimage uh, to your parish as often as possible to go to Holy Mass. Pray mm -hmm. three times a day. Make sure you're doing penance, especially on Fridays, or you can go old school Wednesdays and Fridays. And all these three, all these three things, pilgrimage to church, prayer, penance, will prepare you uh, for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the question is, why aren't there more exorcists in the United States? Well, the third reason is, is that there's a lack of moral courage. Mm -hmm. There are good priests and bishops whose theological understanding of evil is accurate, but who lack the courage that it takes to confront demons. Also, some are afraid of making mistakes, adverse publicity, or lawsuits, and so never enter into the field of battle. If you want to see an example of a lack of courage, I'm saying this, Dave, this for, I'm just making an observation. I'm not making mm -hmm. a judgment on the person's heart. Yes. But the observation is that there was a lack of courage there, moral courage. Bishop Barron was interviewed in a documentary called The Devil and Father Gabriel Amorth. I recommend mm -hmm. everybody watch that documentary. It's about an hour. They, they, they have filmed a live exorcism done by Father Amorth. So Bishop Barron is, is interviewed by the protagonist, by the, I forget his name, Richard Rich, Milton Friedkin? Milton Friedkin, I think. William. William Friedkin. William Friedkin. He's also the one that mm -hmm. produced and directed The Exorcist, the actual movie in 1973. And so they, he asked Bishop Barron, would, you know, and, and you could tell that he's like proud. He's in front of a Catholic bishop. You can see Friedkin's face is beaming with pride, like, I'm interviewing Bishop <laughs> Barron. And he says, Bishop, you know, he goes, uh, yeah, so uh, have you done an exorcism or would you do one? And Bishop Barron says, Me? Do an exorcism? Oh, no. Oh, not me. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm not holy enough. Me? Oh, no. If I saw something like that, I'd call the police. 
You don't so believe me? You, you could watch this so on YouTube. Type it on YouTube. It's, they got the three-minute clip there. I'm not saying this to be critical. I'm just saying that this is this condition of a lot of our bishops is that they do lack moral courage. I know some in other dioceses. They do not know who they are. Yeah, there's there's one uh, bishop at a cur- very, very popular bishop at a Cursil retreat, a uh, young man who was a drug addict and just had a wretched, moral, a, a wretched mm-hmm. life yeah. of, mo- of more unconfessed mortal sin. He came to a Cursil retreat and he was trying to draw close to Christ, but again, because he's in mortal sin and, and the high-level spirituality of a, retreat, of a retreat, he started manifesting. And my friend says, okay, the bishop is here. I'll hold him down and get the bishop to lay hands on him. So my friend, you know, is holding him down, him and some other guys, and they're just doing like they're the Hail Mary and the Rosary. Him. They're doing the best they can yeah, the, to, yeah. to help him out. Yeah, they're it's holding him the, down because... It's what the best they knew. At right, and they're doing, they're doing the rosary yeah. right, on their knees. And they ask, bishop, bishop, can you lay hands on him and the bishop just looked, and uh, and my friend says his eyes just got like about faced, like big old like big old <laughs> saucers, you know, like buckwheat, oh, man. And he so said, sad. "Ah, no, no, you handle it, you handle it." Oh. And he ran out of there, locked himself in his office oh again. My gosh! So I mean, there could have been healing for that yes. young man. Father, I know is correct about this. I mm-hmm. think that there is a lack of moral courage. Moral courage, and and, and I think and a lot a of mo- it is morality issue, immorality the, issue yeah, with a yeah. lot of these priests or bishops. If you, that if you're your in mortal, mortal sin, sin, you can't confront demons. You're not going to confront the demon. Mm-hmm. You're going to run away. You can't. No, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to put my parents out there. They shouldn't have been doing this, but they did it. They're, they're, <laughs> they passed away. They didn't know. They didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know. They're innocent. And on Wednesdays for many years, my mom and dad and her, one of her mm-hmm. their best friends, they had a prayer group and they had the Blessed Sacrament exposed. So at least they knew that much. That was good. Mm-hmm. Jesus was exposed. They'd be doing. They'd be praying and doing their Spanish alabanzas and stuff. And people would come in to get That's prayed songs. for. songs. Yeah, people would come for in to get prayed for. those that don't understand what alabanzas are. And uh, again, many people, again, in front mm-hmm. of the Blessed Sacrament, yes. there's people singing and praying to God. So there's, it's, it's, it's thick with the presence of God. Yes. It's like a thick cloud. So when demonically a, a, afflicted people would walk in there out of curiosity or someone would know, Oh, there's a big Wednesday prayer group and here. And wanted healing. They would come. They yeah. knew where to go. And a lot of people did get healed. Yeah, they did. They did absolutely healed. got healed. But what ends up happening... healed. But my parents would tell me when they would have a high-level case, people would walk in there, and you could just see the person's flopping on the floor like a snake, and, mm-hmm. and their, you know, their tongue is sticking out 10 inches. I mean, my mom and I saw this for 30 years. What they they would call the priests that were there, mm-hmm. Father, Father, we have a somebody who needs help. We needs help. My mom and dad told me Anita that. Yeah, I remember. That mm-hmm. Essentially, every priest from that order, and it's an order that's that's very stacked with homosexuals. Yes. The, the uh, it's it's it has and they're a not high growing. Le- it's a high level of mm-hmm. homosexuals in yes. that particular order. My mom and dad told me that for thirty years, the priests would see somebody diabolically manifesting on the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. They would run. Mr. Mr. Romero, you take care of it. And they just throw the keys and run and lock themselves in the mm-hmm. rectory. And not to return. Not to return. And so uh. my mom and dad are trying to do battle, you know, mm-hmm. as best they can as lay people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, I, again, God... And there's other priests that have known that run away. Yeah, God judge, judge my mom mm-hmm. and dad's... Their, 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 their strategy and protocol may have not been, again... Uh, liber Crystal. The Liber Crystal methodology. <laughs> But they were doing it basically yep. out of just ignorance. Ignorance and innocence. And, and love, and, love for and people. And love, love for people. They wanted yeah. 
you know, to be an People instrument to to, for their healing. And, and my mom course, knew that Jesus they had knew power. Who, yeah, ju- they knew Jesus had they power. Were all, and they were always invoking Jesus. Always yeah. invoking Jesus and our Blessed Mother. So, yeah. so what's the fourth reason okay, the why fourth there aren't more exorcists? Lack of vision. So spiritual healing receives relatively little attention among the priorities of a diocese because of the great number of seemingly more pressing needs. A mature pastoral vision should not only include the corporal works of mercy, but also the spiritual works of mercy, which certainly ex- include exorcism and spiritual healing. I think they forget that. They're always thinking of the body, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. Social the, the justice. Social justice. The, our priests are just, you know, are lopsided many of the times. God love them. But, you know, I, I agree. We do need to help the poor. We need to uh, assist them in their time of need and desperations with material things that they don't have because of something going on in their lives. But if we're not giving them the other side you know, it's like a seesaw. You stay down on one side with a weight on there. And it goes to yeah. show, I'll show you that the most important side, mm-hmm. I would say, is the soul. Is the soul, absolutely. Because when you go to Holy yes. Mass, look at the prayer that you pray before Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. Lord, I am yeah. not worthy to have you under my roof or to receive you, but only say, say the, the word and, and my soul, soul shall, shall be healed. It doesn't yep. say... And my body right. shall be healed. I won't be hungry. Right. I'll have a house. Or mm-hmm. no, the the highest. My soul shall be healed. Right. Right. So and that's what, and that's as Catholics, you know, you only have the Saint Vincent de Paul. We have all these, you know, wonderful uh, charitable works, but. You know, and, and I would say give that, local, Anita, to yeah, Catholics. Give to your local, local diocese. Give to your that local, way you know where your money's, money's going. going. Yes. If you send it to Washington, you don't know what happens. Yep. Support your local, you know, uh, soup kitchens. and Yeah, if, and, if they're there, you know uh, in, in your, who, in your who's running them. Yeah, you, yeah, you know them, <laughs> and you know where your money's investigate. going. Investigate. You could see your money. You have every action. right to investigate where your money goes. Remember that. That's your money, and you're giving it out of love, but they need to answer where that money's going and 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 should have your approval. And I'm just saying because mm-hmm. when you give to Washington, oftentimes it goes to a black hole. Yep, yep. So here's the fifth reason why there are more exorcists is because there's a lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. Many clerics believe that demonic manifestations can be explained by psychiatry mm. and should be treated as such. They may believe in the devil theoretically, but not appreciate the range of his power in the daily lives of their own flocks. This started happening in the 60s mm-hmm. where yeah. psychology, psychiatry, and sociology began replacing theology. And by the way, Father Mitch Pacwa says in that a documentary of Wolven Sheep's Clothing that psychology, psychiatry, and sociology are three disciplines that mm-hmm. came from Freemasonry. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to add, don't you think that the people become uh, psychiatric, uh, have psychiatric illnesses? Why? Because how did they get them? Many of them have been, you know, diabolically afflicted. And then they go to a psychiatrist. Oh, she's bipolar. She's depression. Well, why? Because of their... The sickness of their the soul. The sickness they need of their God. soul. Absolutely. Their, their soul is, cl- yeah. is, is, is crying for God. Yeah. And, uh, and this is why there's a, there's a void. Mm-hmm. There's a void. There's a sickness. And yeah. uh, it's not going to be... It's not going to be... 
taken yeah. care of by medication or pills yeah, and or by sitting in the couch. Right. And there's one person that I'm praying for and I have communication with and they're in a uh, rehab and I, I text her, I, I text this person, I let them know, look at, I'm praying for the healing of your soul. This is medication that is all bandage, band-aids and you need to get closer to Christ. Yeah, I think that's so, funny you say that the medications, you know, because there's a, f- mm-hmm. and, and we'll probably get into it in the next segment, mm-hmm. but he, the fact is that the DSM, mm-hmm. the Diagnostic it's, and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, mm-hmm. number five has a number of changes to it. They've changed disassociative disorders, including possession. So yeah. possession is now in the DSM-5. Also, there's an academic book that was written for psychiatrists and psychologists mm-hmm. by an exorcist called Introduction to the Science of Mental Health by Father Ripperger, yeah, where he shows you again. It's thick. <laughs> and Lots yet, to read. In fact, Anita, there's another book also. On, but rich. Uh, yeah, isn't there another book on this topic? Yes. Another book, academic book on the topic entitled Glimpses of the Devil, A Psychiatrist's Personal Accounts of Possession Exorcism and Redemption by M. Scott Peck. So, see, there's so much yeah, out, there's good a, there's stuff a, a, out Sophia there. Sophia came out with another one, too. Yeah, it, yeah, right. It's called uh, True or False Possession. How to Distinguish the Demonic from the Demented by Dr. Sean Lormiti. I guess that's how you call it, Sean. Yeah. Uh, he's a neurologist, and it's from Sophia Press. But here comes our Holy Mother to give us a holy pause. <laughs> Your bright new dawn, your beauty and your grace. Ora por nobis. Are back, Jesus nine one one with Jesse and Anita. Wow, this hour has gone by so fast. So we hour have so of power, many, holy yeah, hour of power. Absolutely, it's a lot of powerful information that we have here. That's right, family to give you, and it's it's just our pleasure, and it's what a privilege it is to be here with you. That's right. But anyways, let's go on continue what yeah. we were so talking we're, we're about. We're talking question. about the psychiatric yes. uh, issue. That's our sidebar. This is a sidebar for what we were talking about. Yeah, because we're talking yeah. about why aren't there more exorcists, and we say that there's a lack of understanding because mm-hmm. what's happened is psychiatry has replaced theology mm-hmm. yes, that started happening in the 60s i think the, look at that remember that cassette tape up there it says um psychology friend or foe by dr william colson uh-huh. you see it up there uh, uh do you want me to get it yes yeah well that cassette tape up there uh-huh. we okay. heard his lecture 30 years ago <laughs> yes at a family yes conference. it's been yeah it's he's been a while one, Thank he's you the for one that me. He's the one that ended up saying it myself, and he started mm-hmm. naming all these big names back mm-hmm. in the 60s and 70s. We went around and destroyed the seminaries and nunneries. I don't know if you call them nunneries. Oh, yes, yes, abbeys. yes. Mm-hmm. He says, we inserted, we convinced the bishops in the 60s and 70s when modernists were already mm-hmm. taking yeah. many key positions yes. that what's needed is psychiatry. So Dr. William Colson, Colson. He, he, came, he came back to the Catholic Church and repented and spent the last 20 years trying to undo the damage. By going to different conferences and just... Uh, and, and, and asking for forgiveness, yeah, too, Asking I'm for sure. forginess, saying we and need to go back the to the Bible and it. theology. That's the way yeah. people in prominent uh, positions and in public positions need to do. 
because they were in in a position public of power sin. and and public uh, in a public forum, they need to re- repent in a public uh, forum also yeah. to yeah. make. Yeah, their, because yeah, that, yeah. That, the satisfaction right. for their sin has Absolutely. to be done publicly. The publicly, penance. if yeah. you yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me mention another thing, just on a sidebar again about psychiatry uh, and psychology. Saint Padre Pio. This is the, page 86 of the book, uh, mm-hmm. An Exorcist Explains the Demonic. Mm-hmm. St. Padre Pio was convinced that many persons who were admitted to psychiatric hospitals and who remained there during their entire natural life were in reality mm-hmm. possessed by the demons. Yes. And an exorcism would have been enough to cure them. This is also confirmed by the great apostle of psychiatric illness. I know he's, he's going through the process of canonization. Mm-hmm. I think he's blessed. Is, is, the, is the Spanish Carmelite Francis Palau. In the hospital in which Father Francis Palau worked, he exorcised all the patients, curing many of them. And this tells us something interesting, that psychiatric symptoms and diabolical symptoms assume very similar forms. Wow, yes. Right. There's also another uh, story that happened in the 70s. Yeah. True story. And, and let's talk about Annalise Michelle. I don't know if you've seen the movie. They call her uh, Emily Rose in the Emily movie. Emily Rose in the movie. In her final months, Annalise Michelle insisted on many occasions that she, quote, was not allowed to eat, end quote. And she was very adamantly opposed of going to the physician or a hospital because she believed that they would declare her mentally ill and place her in a mental illness facility. See, that's what that's the goal of the demon. Wants to put us in a mentally ill ill uh uh uh, uh prison. Put you on yeah, pills, not on, on pills. prayer. Right, right. The demons who were, you know, uh attacking her admitted it was their desire to have an Elise, an Elise in a mental institution. There you go. That's their objective. There she would not have the benefit of the priests and the exorcism prayers, and they would thus be able to torment her more freely, and she would be out of the public view where the world would not have been aware of her possession and sufferings. Wow. That, wow. That, the movie is called The Exorcism of, of Emily, Emily Rose. Rose. Her name her really was Annalise Michelle. Michelle. This information was given by the demons during sessions of exorcisms to the two priests that performed, yes. I think, two dozen exorcisms yes. over her. And I think there's a script on on, on the Internet, online, yeah. where you could read, you read exactly everything. They transcribed her, everything transcribed. the demons said and the priest said. Yeah, I have it. I have very a copy interesting. Of it. Yeah, you did. I think you and Eddie did a, a show on that. Yeah, I think yeah you did. that was very good. Very yeah. good. Um, yeah, so Annalise Michelle, see, she knew what her purpose was you know although she was tormented by demons she knew that through her sufferings it was for the priests in germany she was asked by her yes. ladies that if she would she, be willing to suffer mm-hmm. the highest form of suffering, suffering. which is demonic possession mm-hmm. for the sins of, of the, the german, german clergy and she could have said no because again god's free will is yes. ne- ne- never makes us do anything against our, our free will she was asked and she mm-hmm. entered into a life of being a victim soul and mm-hmm. so a lot of people in Germany, they go to her, her tomb and they pray. Wow. Right they ask next for to her, her tomb. intercession. Yeah, they ask for her intercession. So mm-hmm. a, a lot of the German people 
you know, like we should, mm-hmm. the voice of the people, Vox mm-hmm. Populi. Yeah. The voice of the people believes she's a saint. She's a saint. Yeah. Wow. And and, and, and the, she and, hasn't been. Uh, 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 no one has been. Uh, no, they haven't opened a case on her, from what I know. Him? But I'll mm-hmm. I'll look. But last That'd I've said. Interesting. Yeah, but uh, while it, it's I in Germany, it doesn't ha- surprise like, me that they haven't yeah, opened they a haven't. case for in. And it's in Germany, Germany? because yeah, yeah. We, they, it's, it, the the faith is pretty weak out there. Yeah, and and, and uh, our clergy is pretty pretty compromised. Yes, there. they are. Yeah, I mean, you have a few superstars like Father yeah. you know, Ratzinger, mm. Cardinal Mueller. Yeah, a few, very but, few. But most of them are following the steps of Luther. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. so so the next again, so we're answering why aren't there more exorcists? And, the next reason that was yes that, a lack of training that's there is little or no training for the practice of exorcism in seminaries there are however more opportunities for training in the church today that's the good news yeah the good that the latter's the good yeah, news the latter's the good news <laughs> the former is that yeah. yeah there's not enough training or i don't know i'm not a, i've never been through seminary but from what i hear there's no all our priest uh, friends have yeah, told, told they said us there's nothing years. on on spiritual exorcism, warfare. spiritual warfare, nothing. nothing, nothing, and that is very sad because they, you know, are in the battle. They're they are the ones to combat and help heal us, heal our souls. And it's the only thing that they're able to do. And because nothing in the seminary, that one thing they do teach them is confession, yeah. and we know that yeah. is where there's a lot of healing takes place Absolutely. for those that are, are are afflicted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so there's three places where a, a priest can get trained as an exorcist. Yes. Mm-hmm. One now is it's in Rome. Better. Mm-hmm. One is in Rome. Uh, they have a school of exorcism over there. That's where our friend, and the rest in peace, Father Mike Sears. Mike Sears. He was trained yes. in Rome. Pray for him. He uh, right out mm-hmm. of seminary, he knew that he wanted to get into in this field twenty yes. some odd years ago. Yes. So he, he was like at a parish for a year. Then mm-hmm. he asked the bishop back then. Well, yes, actually Cardinal Mahoney, mm-hmm. if he could go to Rome for six months and train and and. Uh, and he did. Mahoney, Carl Mahoney gave him permission. He says, "Yeah, when you come back, he says, yeah, we could, uh, uh, you know, we could make you the exorcist." When he come back and he was fully trained, Mahoney didn't want to give him the mandate because he said, "Well, lawsuits and publicity and no trust." Afraid. So what, what they did, I know why. And this, they drove him. I mean, I think they drove mm-hmm. him sick. What they yeah. did is they they put it out there. Everybody who's afflicted in L.A. sent him to Father Mike Sears. Mm-hmm. He was one. Everybody knew that he was a giant in this area, yeah. and he was just overwhelmed. He was yeah, doing he did this minor constantly. exorcisms. Yeah, he, never, he, yeah. Did, he yeah. was doing this constantly for thirty years. Yeah, yeah he mm-hmm. did minor exorcisms because he didn't have the mandate. He didn't have the mandate. And so, as a result, just imagine of that, he was. There was many cases that he was doing for years because mm-hmm. the demons would never leave because they told him, "We you you, you don't, don't have, have the, the authority to drive us out." Yeah. On some of the high-level cases, he was so talented, so courageous. Yeah, everything that all he needed was the mandate. Everything that that we're reading off this list of oh, why aren't there the the lack of faith, pastor? That doesn't that was, apply. To that him. didn't apply to him. Yeah, he was just he was, yeah. he was a man's man. Yes, he was he a his, before he became a priest. He was a football player. For Sa- uh, the San Diego yeah, in college, State. Yeah, for college. Yeah, for college. He football. was. Yeah. So uh, yeah. he not only he has a physical. Uh, uh, appearance but actually the courage and the will and yes. the authority yeah the authority the authority but yeah. he didn't have the mandate and right and so there's a lot of high-level cases that he yes, couldn't deliver he couldn't deliver. in fact he would call father ripperger and he would try to send his the high-level cases to father yeah. ripperger so mm-hmm. they did have a relationship so um 
So yeah, the lack of training, that's yeah. no longer the case. You and also now we have, have Liber Cristo. Liber Cristo, yes. which is, well, Liber Cristo is going to be for the lay people. The lay people. And we're putting it back up again. Da as mm. soon as Dan's book comes out, we should be launching Liber Cristo, which will be the uh, training mm. for lay people. But uh, the priest could go to Father Ripperger, uh, yes. the, to the DeLorenFathers.org, DeLorens.org, DeLorens.org. Because he does two trainings for priests a year. And that's wonderful. Yeah. So and then, if you know, know any yeah. priests that are interested... And, and send them to get a hold of the Deloren, yeah. Deloren's dot org, Deloren's yeah, dot org, yeah, and then of course then you got the the larger school, the one in Mundelein. Yeah, it's called the which Father yeah. Ripperger helped start that school by the way. Yeah, he did, but now Clement. he's starting his own and yeah, and and Father Ripperger is really putting out a lot of good information yes. for the laity, but also I know a lot of priests are listening and. Uh, listening yeah. to his teachings, but let's continue and let's finish off. Yeah. This, so here's uh, the next reason why there's not more exorcists is mm. that there's a lack of mentoring. Yes. There are many good priests who would be willing to take the training, but simply lack another more experienced priest to teach them. So when a diocese has no priest who's familiar with the ministry of exorcism, it is less likely that a willing priest would find the necessary hands, hands-on one-on-one training for this type of work. Right. And, and, and yeah, I mean, because, again, you're, they're stepping into no man's land. They weren't taught this in the seminary. Yeah. And so you do need mentor priests mm -hmm. in every yeah, diocese. You do. Absolutely. And, you know, they realize these priests that when they don't find a mentor, you know, it, I'm sure that's like, oh, gosh, I know this is what we need in our parish. Because they 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 have the the they see the sense rise in, in Satanism and witchcraft and occult mm -hmm. practices. So that's why they. Um, uh, it's it's so disheartening for those, but you know, we now we have we know Father Ripperger has just for priests twice a month, twice a year. a year. So for those of you again, twice a year, tell your pastors hands on, hands on, hands -on they're interested, and I'm sure there's open communication. But here's the last one: lack of perseverance. Priests can sometimes be interested in this ministry, but when they find out that it is very difficult, they abandon it too easily. Proper mentoring would help them develop the requisite habits and skills uh, to give them success and reasons to persevere. Well, this is this is where Liber Crystal's coming in, and Dan yeah. Schneider and Kyle uh, are finished a manual. It's right now going to be published. It's going to teach lay people how to come alongside your priest and really help them out yes. in this area. And yeah. what, ha what where the lay people come in is not only being part of a team, yes, mm -hmm. but also more than anything is catechizing the possessed person. That's the job of the layperson. Yeah. Well, family, looks like we're at the end of our show. This has just been so wonderful to be with all of you. Yes. And we're, here Jesus nine one one. Yeah, Gary Machuda. Gary Machuda, hands on mm -hmm. apologetics. Yes. Coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. We love doing this on Fridays. I hope you got yes. something out of it. Yes. And, uh, and and enjoy the rest of your Advent season. Yep. Have a have you. a happy Holy Advent season. season. God bless God you. Bless Viva you. Cristo Rey. Keep the faith.